As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ian Irving and joining us as usual are The Athletic's Laurie Whitwell and Andy Mitten as well. Decent start that, wasn't it? Greenwood in the box, trying to get it onto his left foot. Back to Fred. Brendan turned it in. Beats Vicente Guaita. And having almost scored at one end, Crystal Palace firing themselves behind at the other. And it's bedlam at Old Trafford. Yes, coming up today, we'll be looking back at Ralph Rangit's first game in charge and first win as United manager with Fred, the unlikely hero. We'll preview young boys and also cover any other business as well. But let's get stuck straight into yesterday's game, Laurie. You were getting overexcited there, weren't you? You were talking when we wanted to hear the Fred goal. <laughs> I just wasn't sure what was going on. But, I mean, it sounded like United players knew about what was going on yesterday. They seemed like they had... And ideas to exactly how they wanted to play. The, the sort of change in formation was a, a, a bit of a surprise, I suppose, just because of the personnel that Randnick has on offer. But they seemed to adjust to it really smartly. He acknowledged that after the game and said he was surprised by how um, how well they did in that situation. And I know it was only a one 0 victory, um, and you know Crystal Palace had that really big chance with Jordan Ayew. Although was he offside? I, I couldn't really sort of see exactly. I thought he might have been a smidge offside, but. I thought United did actually have more control than they have done in, in previous games and that's the kind of big thing that he wanted from his players to actually have you know dominance of possession but also dominance of territory and I think you know, looking at the stats you can see that they had the ball in good areas you know majority in the final third um, you know I think 45% of passes that they made were, were in the final were in the, in the opposition half so you know you had that kind of sense of actually a team that knew what they were about and, and the goal whilst it wasn't like they were banging down the door at that particular moment I think they deserved to win the game and I think you know clean sheet for the first time in what 25 years um, is probably a, a good thing as well in his first game <laughs> it does feel like a long time doesn't it Andy were you impressed yeah I was but I missed the goal I didn't know what to expect I thought United started really well I thought the first 30 minutes especially uh, United looked a different side there was evidence there that a new man was in charge United pressed really high and, and played well as the game went on uh, I started to think Oof, I thought Palace got stronger in the second half 
And then uh, I had to leave to get a flight and I uh, missed the goal. And it's not normal for me. And, you know, I don't know why you're asking me. You need to ask someone who's actually, who actually <laughs> saw the goal. Um, I walked out, jumped in my car. I had to zip to the airport. Whoa, Fred. I mean, obviously it's going to be Fred and he's the main man at the moment. <laughs> but um, two wins in those two home games, given the really poor run of results, which led to the manager losing his, his job. I think you've got to take that. I keep looking at the league table, hoping that United have shot up back into sort of some sort of contention, but it still depresses me. Miles away, absolutely miles away. Ten points, I think, off off third place. So the runner fixtures coming up uh, could be quite forgiving. But then I said the same going into Watford away a few weeks ago. So one nil win against Palace, as Laurie said, some encouraging signs. But it will take a lot, lot more for me to have confidence in this team again, uh, given what's gone on in the last few months. I feel like I need to give you a hug at this point, Andy. It was a no, win. I'm it fine. was better, wasn't it? No, you're right. You're right. And and I, it was a second win in a few days, following on from a decent result at Chelsea. I'm still annoyed that Fred missed that chance at Chelsea because we could <laughs> be talking about four straight wins here. And Could following he on right from Chelsea. That was the secret. And that win in Villarreal. So... United can go into the next game against young boys with the luxury, and that's what it is, of having already qualified. Because at half-time at Villarreal at home, if you'd have said to me, United will be out of this group with a game to spare, I would never have seen that. So we're not looking like it's in a bad position. And I'm feeling all right about it. I'm just annoyed that I missed the goal. And I went to three games this weekend, and... I went to watch Buxton in the FA Cup. They got beat 1-0. I got absolutely soaking wet. Went to watch a game at Sheffield FC, the oldest football club in the world. Turned up at the ground. The game was called off because of heavy rain. So I sound a bit <laughs> deflated. This is why. So then I went to a, a former pit village to watch a game there. And the weather was atrocious. So you got all these hardened former miners. And even some of them were sheltering inside the bar. Turned up there and the visitors scored a goal. So I didn't bring good luck to anybody this weekend. But as soon as I left Old Trafford, Fred scored. So I'm not going to Old Trafford again this season. No, please don't if you're a bad luck charm. Yeah, definitely. Um, Laurie, lots of things changed like we've just been talking about. One thing that didn't change was the starting lineup. Were you surprised by that? I will have to say no, just purely because, you know, the Athletic asked me to write what I thought Ranić should or could do. Oh, this do. is going to be a boast, isn't it? I can tell by the it smirk the same, on your face. It's the same lineup. Listen, Andy Mitten has already done it this season with Spurs. You know, predicted it exactly. I've I've plucked something out of thin air and said I think he sh- I should say. You need to see team. the smirk on Laurie's face at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, admittedly, it was basically because I thought I don't know if he can really change it too much, and they're off a win. It's a quick turnaround. He's got one training session, so is he going to suddenly rip it all up and start all over again? Now, clearly, the thing I didn't predict was the 4-2-2-2, um, which obviously we can see from Ralph Hasenhutl at Southampton, who's you know one of um, Ralph Rennick's disciples. Because I was looking back into it at Leipzig, the last season he managed um, a, a team, you know, 2018-19, and he was playing like a back three, a 4-3-3. So it wasn't necessarily that he was playing this 4-2-2-2 all the time. But I suppose in hindsight, what he was talking about was wanting to get a bit more control in the centre of the park. And I suppose Sancho can do that with Bruno alongside. And it allows Rashford to kind of run beyond and have some support for Ronaldo. That's the big question, wasn't it? How does Ranić get 
you know, Ronaldo into his team, which he wants to be a high pressing team, which they were against Crystal Palace. I think I mentioned it on Thursday that, you know, there's this sort of Red Bull Salzburg example where, you know, the guy doesn't really run around much, Soriano, um, and, and, and they managed to get him into the team. So I, I always thought Ronaldo would still start the game. Um, but no, I, I was I kind of understood because, I mean, I suppose Greenwood for Rashford might have been one of the changes that he could make. Um, but, you know, ultimately... Rashford can run hard at the teams and he started brightly I thought he, him starting the game I know he perhaps faded a little bit but I thought him starting the game was actually a, a smart move um, and then as we were sort of getting a little bit of insight into how his first training session went we you know, heard that Anthony Langwood really impressed him and, and that was one thought you know, somebody thought that maybe he might actually start the game um, in the end he came off the bench you know, and replaced um, Rashford later on but I think that was uh, that was something that was in the post from the day before from the way that he'd applied himself in training and he, he does I mean Solskjaer spoke quite didn't he I think that was probably one of the players that he wished he could have got more into the team but results and kind of that caution against throwing a young player into a difficult situation um, put pay to that but he, you know, he runs all day and he has got quality to finish off uh, chances as well so he's one that could benefit from Randick's arrival Yeah also it's a lot of encouragement that isn't it for the rest of the squad it shows that if you work hard and impress in training you are going to get your chances on match day so maybe Ranjit was using that as well as a message to the rest of the squad certainly a positive mm-hmm. start for Manchester United no doubt and interesting to see Anthony Alanga in there but Andy we have to talk about Fred I know you missed his goal but Anything that Manchester United do, good or bad at the minute, I think Laurie called his performance chaotic against Arsenal the other day. This was less chaotic, but he was still central to everything, it seemed, good and bad. Yeah, good and bad, because in the first half, even though he was heavily involved, as he has been in recent matches, he still gave two balls away in the middle of of the field, which in, in, a, in a half where mistakes were pretty few, for Manchester United. So, as Laurie said, Marcus Rashford started really well. He was chasing defenders down, chasing the goalkeeper down, doing a lot of running around Cristiano Ronaldo. So, that was good to see. He couldn't keep it up, but then neither could the team. And with Fred, well, I asked Michael Carrick about him last week and I know that he liked him. I don't know what Ralph Rangnick's going to end up doing with Fred and with other players. I can understand why he kept the same team. I think it's fair of a new manager to give everybody a chance and if he can see where he can make improvements um, that then you know do do his own stuff from there it, it's pretty chaotic at the moment for many reasons with with all you've got all the coaching staff as well and the weather didn't help manchester united train before the the game against palace but with Fred, he's got something. And the point I made to, to Michael Carrick last week when I asked him a question was, this is someone who's the first choice central midfielder for Brazil. And if Man United went out and signed the first choice central midfielder from Brazil in January, fans would be really excited about it. But because it's Fred, he really divides fans. And I can understand why, because he had a poor first season. And just as he was being completely written off, he came really, really good. He was man in a match in an away game at Manchester City. And in December 19, uh, he, he took some time to settle. Uh, I've spoke to him right from the start, although not for a while with, with COVID and then I bumped into him at the side of the pitch in, uh, at Tottenham. And I know that people like Fernandinho at Manchester City helped him settle in, in Manchester. And he's had a tough time. You've got, I think, players who've come in to live in a new city, given the difficulties of what's going on in the world. It hasn't been easy for him. It wasn't easy for him under Jose Mourinho. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was really good with Fred, but still we're seeing these real up and down performances and people saying this isn't Roy Keane, it's not Nicky Butt. 
and it isn't. And when he gave the ball yesterday twice in the first half, I was frustrated with him. But he's again, he's got something. He really has. He he's brilliant on the recoveries. He's brilliant at making blocking tackles. He's brilliant at putting his foot in. He's got absolutely loads of energy. And I like like seven elements of his game, but I dislike three elements of his game. So I can see why why he's picked. I'll, in a best case scenario, I think Ralph Ranjic just somehow makes him a little bit better. Michael Carrick played him in a slightly more advanced role. Um, scoring is something he does very rarely. So you could see from his celebration, which I didn't see. But I was going to say that. On t- That's exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> I heard about it <laughs> as I passed in my car. You've watched and it back saw right it later. Oh yeah, I've seen sure. it on the way back. I should have seen it there, shouldn't I? Yeah. But it's not my fault, but we're not going back onto that. So it's been a good month for Fred. Been a really good month for Fred. And I feel like he's just got to eliminate some of the mistakes, but I could have been saying this for three years now. Yeah, true, true. And it'd be interesting to see what that goal does. I remember interviewing Fred probably just over a year ago. United had drawn nil-nil at Chelsea. I'm thinking November time, maybe. I might be wrong on that. Uh, and everyone was taking the mick out of him for shooting with his right foot. He'd put one just wide. I think even the camera had cut to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer on the side of the pitch. He looked yeah. absolutely shocked that Fred had nearly scored with his right foot. And he sort of said, I'll make them eat their words. Um, and he had a big smirk on his face saying it. He was joking. Well, Fred, 14 months on and 564 football matches since, 1,272 shots since. You've made them eat the words. <laughs> Uh, I'm joking. He's really obviously. popular. The play, the players really like him. He's really, really popular. That came through actually, Andy. That came through in that particular thing. I thought because I think even Harry Maguire was having a laugh at his expense post match as well, and they wouldn't do that with a player who either they felt uncomfortable to to, to take the mick out of, or, or that they didn't respect. They don't feel that he's got a huge ego, and to get to that level of football, you've got to have some element of ego. But Fred does does what he's asked of him. He's seen as being a humble. Uh, that that group hug recently. That was Fred's idea. Even now, you know, I, I put a piece out the what other day Fred's about idea, Fred and Andy? the 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 group huddle. Okay. If you put a piece out about Fred and Laurie will know this, you get a fifty fifty split between I can see good parts of his game and he's absolutely terrible and nowhere near good enough for Manchester United. Where does the truth lie when opinions are so binary on this? And when he scores like he does or did, and when he plays well. It shifts a little bit towards is not so bad here, but we've talked about where United should be strengthened this year, and his position has been one of the key talking points. I mean, I speak to people who who are working with him all the time, and even their opinions shift change on him to like he's not good enough. We could have had Kante to doing really well. He's a great lad. Or somewhere in between, I guess, as well with Fred. That's just the way it's been with him, really, at Manchester United. Lots of great stuff on the Athletic at the minute about United, about the start under Ranjik. There's a great article up there by Oli Kay doing a little bit more background with Rafa Honigstein about what it's like to play for the new Manchester United interim manager. The players are slowly discovering that. Ranjik very impressed, of course, with what they managed to do, considering they'd only had two days together before that Crystal Palace game. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And of course, we need to talk about the other talking point from the game as well, Cristiano Ronaldo. When's he not a talking point? It's foolish to underestimate Cristiano Ronaldo is the headline of Danny Taylor's uh, take on the match against Crystal Palace. Now, Laurie, we were laughing, weren't we, uh, after Arsenal because we'd seen that rare thing, hen's teeth and Cristiano Ronaldo pressing. Uh, I don't know which is rarer, but he did it a little bit more against Palace and, and Ranić seemed pretty impressed with him, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, he made a point, didn't he? He went all French on us and said chapeau. Um, in I had terms to get of, the dictionary you know, out at that point. <laughs> the hat's it, right? That's what we're going with. Yeah. Um, an applause, I suppose. You know, he's obviously chapeau. giving him, yeah, giving him the the rev up, I suppose, after a performance where clearly he knows he needs to have Ronaldo on side. He's going to be highlighting the stuff that he does well. I think you know, let's start as we mean to go on and give the guy, you know, who's, who's obviously an incredible supreme goal scorer, some. Um, some some plaudits. Um, so we'll we'll see how it continues. I mean, I think he was you know a part of United winning possession um, in the final third more than any other time since Fergie. You know, twelve times. That was startling. That wasn't it? Startling. Yeah. I mean, the previous high from this season was seven, I think, against Newcastle, and they actually got six against Chelsea. And then, I mean, you, you sort of look at the other performances that were kind of close to that over the past years since Fergie and it's not necessarily like they're all you know glamorous performances you know there's a 3-0 defeat to Arsenal there was a 0-0 against Chelsea so it's not like they win possession high up therefore they win the game but I think if it speaks to what Ranić is trying to do then that that shows us in, in a good light and, and also it's probably quite fact- encouraging for him that they've been able to sort listened. of work that out so quickly as well yeah you know because he was talking in the press conference wasn't he about the, the time it's going to take match by match to try and instill yeah. in the brains the ideas or to even see a little sign of that straight away is pretty encouraging for him that they're going to respond to him surely yeah yeah hugely I, I think so that's that's the main takeaway so yeah it might not have you know um been a part of a, a you know kaleidoscope of attacking potential you know and and you know a game that they've gone and won five nil but i think it hints at as you say the fact that they're listening to him they can take instructions on board clearly it's only a start let's see how it goes and they did fade you know the energy levels did sap obviously second half and i think also it was it was crucial so sort of going back to your point about predicted lineups and i suppose diogo dalot was the only player over our one bissaka that was perhaps a you know, let's, let's sort of debate that because Luke Shaw's still been out, you know, um, after his head knock against Watford. And I, I just thought after the, the performance that Dallow put in against Arsenal, he was obviously going to start because it was such such a, you know, an encouraging attacking display. And in this system, clearly, you know, you need the fullbacks to bomb on and provide the width because, you know, the, the rest of the team is so um, condensed in the centre. Um, and I thought he was really good again. You know, I mean, mm. that he obviously played a part in the goal in terms of the drive forward and the left foot pass, um, sort of injecting a bit of pace into the attack. So I, it'd be interesting to see how how long he kind of stays in the team. I mean, you know, maybe he decides that actually Aaron Wambasaka can come in against young boys, for example, because, you know, they, they, they'll, I guess, change the team, but they don't need to win that game. You know, it's against young boys. So that might op- offer an opportunity, but I think he's been a, a sort of real big takeaway from the last couple of games, Diogo Dalot. Maybe Jose Mourinho was right. Maybe he is better than Trent Alexander-Arnold. 
Maybe it's, not. It's looking... Well, it's, if, if he pings a few more crosses... He, he, he pinged a cross in first half, didn't he? From deep, that, all, that Ronaldo leapt to try and get. And then it ultimately, I think it got to the back post. Was it Sancho? And you're just thinking, that is the kind of cross that he must gobble up, you know, usually. And it was, you know, kind of close this time. You know, not every cross is going to work. But it just it felt so much more refreshing that it didn't just hit the first man. And I know that's perhaps being harsh... I don't know Wan-Bissaka, but that's how, that's how it feels when he gets the ball in the final third. You're sort of thinking now with Dolot, okay, again, it's only a start, but maybe he can put a, a really good ball in. And just one point on Fred, I kind of feel like if he's got more people close to him, you know, is, is in this system allows, then he's passing, because he, he can do some good passes. I mean, there was that one in the second half where he whipped it into Ronaldo, I think, through, you know, a, a passage of players, but he does then also infuriate by giving it away really simply. And I think if maybe he's got more people close to him, then maybe he can do you know, the five-yard passes and it doesn't look so bad. Yeah, we want it more Fred again than oh, yeah. Fred again, <laughs> which seems to have been the way that his Manchester United career has gone so far. Right, we've gone this far. We need to hear from the new interim manager of Manchester United, Ralph Rangnick, and his take on that encouraging first win, shall we say, over Crystal Palace. I must admit I was surprised, positively surprised, because we not only did we play uh, Thursday, a late kickoff, we had two days less to recover compared to Crystal Palace. Um, and we had not even a full training session, to be honest, because it was 45 minutes, it was pouring, it was not only Manchester weather, it was just disgusting, it was heavily raining, windy, so it was almost impossible to train. As for Fred, were you expecting that shot into the top corner? <laughs> not with his right foot, so I had to ask my assistant, because who scored? Is it Fred? Is it Fred with his right foot? Yes. I mean, he's a wonderful boy. This is one thing I can say even after two days. I've heard a lot about him from uh, from Ole. So, uh, yeah, right now I can only say it's great to have a boy like him in the team. But the same with other with all the other players. Scott McTominay, it's, it's the same. So with those two number sixes, we are able to yeah, play aggressive uh, football against the ball. OK, gentlemen, we, all three of us were in his unveiling press conference on Friday. A bit bleary-eyed after our late finish being thrown out of Old Trafford recording talk of the Devils on Thursday. That was a new experience for me, being one of the last cars out of the car park as well as one of the last people out of the stadium. Uh, but anyway, in terms of our impressions of Rangnick, Andy, what, what do we sort of make of him so far? What, what have you sort of, uh, what's been your main takeaway from the way he's conducted himself? If I had to use one word, it'd be impressive. I thought he was excellent in the press conference on Friday morning at Old Trafford. It was an extended one. It was the first one in a long time where the journalists were there in person rather than doing it on Zoom in these pandemic times. I thought he was, he was confident. He was intelligent. I really liked his line in humour. And I think United fans are predisposed to, to warm to somebody because... You're investing so much hope in him improving fortunes for the club that you support. And if results don't go well, I mean, one lad who goes home and away, he said to me on Saturday, he's not won anything. Who is he? He's not even been coaching. What's he won? Bayern Does Munich never came in for him, did he? We, hmm. we absolutely levered him in that Champions League semi-final game. So he's got to keep that at bay. And only results will, will do that. And... He's had a he's had a, a winning start and he talks a good story, but speak to the people who know football, who are deeply respected, like Jurgen Klopp or Thomas Tuchel, and they speak so glowingly of him. I think he looks really well for, for 63. I like the little details that he talks about having visited Manchester. I asked him about the history of the club. He talked about the Munich Air disaster. 
I like stuff like that. I just do. And who's to say what you should and shouldn't like about a football club? Talking about getting a flat in Hale. I like the fact that he's a bit of an Anglophile. Uh, he'd lived in, in England in the late 70s and, and he played football. So I think he's had a, a really good start. I also think he's got a really tough job because you can't just take this collection of players who've been so underperforming and get them challenging right at the top, which is what fans expected at the start of this season. They really did. We expected a title challenge this year with all them players. So I think he's got a really tough job, but what he does have is a forgiving run of fixtures. He's got his best players, in theory, to come back in terms of um, Varane, should be the best defender. Edinson Cavani, what's going on there in terms of um, he's having a season like last season, barely featuring at the start. Let's hope he can finish as strongly as he did last year. But the manager needs to get the respect of the players and also the coaching staff. We touched on it on Friday. What are the roles of the people around him now? What is Mike Phelan's role there? Darren Fletch was very vocal when he walked up that camber by the side of the pitch. And Ranyuk's just got to be careful. He doesn't slide down that with his shiny shoes on. He needs to be getting used <laughs> to that. I was a bit worried about him, a bit worried about him yesterday. So I think there's a lot of stuff he's got to work through. I really like the fact that he spoke to Oli Gunnar Solskjaer for, for two hours. I think that reflects really well on the former manager. And I think he's had a good start. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm not going to get carried away because there's a lot of big egos in that dressing room. And I think he's got a really tough job. I also think if United played like they did against Crystal Palace, against a Chelsea or Liverpool, I don't think the team would be would be winning. I still think there's a significant uh, gap to get United right uh, back up to the top as well and not just in points. Yeah, my thing from that press conference, Laurie, I think you wrote similar as well, that he sort of mixed everything in a bit, didn't he? There was insight in there, there was experience in there, there was good humour. It seemed like you'd want to go for a pint with Ralph Rangnick, didn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. I think that he showed his personality, and I, I, I echo what Andy said, in person. I mean, it probably sounds like a journalistic, you know, uh, we're, we're trying to get the small violins out, but... You know the fact that you can do it in person just means a lot more because he, he, you know, he was he was shuffling his papers. This wasn't means he, the, more. <laughs> this means more. He was shuffling his papers for the gag, you know, about Erling Haaland. Does he have the ten million pound bonus for, for getting him over to Old Trafford? And he was, you know, fixing a stare, you know. And I know that sounds a bit naff, maybe, but you know, it just conveys what I think players would look at. Then, you know, in, in the dressing room, we we can get a sense of it better. And he did. He came across as a really smart guy, which he obviously is. He's clearly a you know, football intellect and he has, I think, that ability to kind of co- convey, to persuade people, to bring them on board, and um, which is going to be essential in such a short period of time. He also clearly does back himself. I mean, I don't know if it was in jest or not, but obviously he talks about, I might recommend myself to the board at the end of this spell, you know, like I did at Leipzig <laughs> twice. That's I like was a press conference, though. <laughs> And you're just there going, well, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I can't, you know, I, I can't tell. I think he was being serious, but maybe he was, you know, sort of slight tongue in cheek. But ev- it anyway, it doesn't really cheek, matter. Definitely. You think it was? Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I just, and I thought, listen, it, it, you know, good energy about him. And um, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think that he um, showed himself really well. And, and particularly, after, you know, after the game as well yesterday, you know, he, he clearly has ideas that he wants to implement. And, you know, it's just a case of having enough training sessions really to do that with a team. Just quickly, Laurie, um, we talked a little bit there about backroom staff. Andy was saying about Darren Fletcher still being involved on the touchline uh, on Sunday. Um, what, what's the latest on all of that? Is he any closer to adding the one, two or three names that he said he was going to get in his press conference? Yeah, I think the I think it's maybe a case of Brexit and work permit again. Um, so you know, basically trying to find 
you know, well, not find the people, but you know, get the process sorted where they can then start working. Basically, um, yeah, I don't know, you know, any more than that at the moment. Um, I'm sure we'll find out, you know, in the coming days, because you kind of think that's something that he wants to sort. You know, you know, we're told that he, you know wants one or two, um, a video analyst perhaps being one of them, and a top assistant being another one. Um, but then I suppose that then we'll be able to answer the questions about you know what is Mike Freeland's role what is Darren Fletcher's role again he was obviously on the touchline wasn't he um, you know giving instructions out against um, Crystal Palace Kieran McKenna he was, you could see him chatting to him couldn't you in the dugout um, so we'll, it'd be interesting to see how that dynamic sort of develops um, but he will only be able to tell really when he's got his own people in the building as well uh, and he can kind of figure out exactly what everybody does and, and what he needs from them and maybe sense some strengths you know we're talking about players and, and repurposing players for certain roles on the pitch maybe he looks at the coaching staff and thinks actually you'd be really good at doing this job rather than the kind of current one that you're doing so um, but yeah <laughs> I keep going back to it you know it's it's six and a half months I know it's a decent long length of time but then you know in between the fixtures there's not much time really to get your, your teeth into it so um, yeah we'll see how it goes. Laura, you need to go now, don't you? I do, yes. Off to the Robbo documentary that Andy's seen. He's interviewed Brian Robson, but I'm going to go and have a, have a little bout, bout of uh, popcorn and, and you know, get my feet up and see what it's all about. Sweet or salted? I quite like to mix it, you know, but I think at the cinema I go sweet, but then at home, sweet and salted. I don't know why. There's no logic to it, but yeah. <laughs> it, it's really good, Laurie. It's a really good film. And, and Robbo was an absolute legend as a player, and I hope you enjoy it. I, I certainly did. Thank you, and I'll get. Some, I might even try and get a bit of mix of Fanta and, and Diet Coke as well, if that's on offer, because that, <laughs> that went viral. I'm I'm saying it again. People loved it on Instagram. Well, loved it or hated it. I was getting some serious abuse uh, into my DMs on Instagram. Um, but thank you to everyone that mentioned the the, the Messi mix in Germany. <laughs> uh, apparently, Ralph Rangnick would love it. I'm told. So yeah. Well, Andy and I tried to get a, a Messi mix or whatever you call it to sort of toast the fact that we were doing that podcast in person at Old Trafford. But they switched the bloody machine off, Andy, haven't they? Yeah, I went down. I get it, and I will. I will get it because again, before the game yesterday, I had two different people come up to me and say, "Are you drinking Coke and Fanta with Laurie today?" <laughs> I'm like, this is just mental. What certain people respond to? Brilliant. They're coming up, not asking yeah, what do, the team, what the team is. You can do <laughs> an exclusive story. You can tweet a really good news line from a press conference. No, all they care about is mixing your Fanta and your Coke. Yeah, well, Laurie, enjoy the film. Enjoy the sweet popcorn if you're in the cinema and uh, the Coke and Fanta mix as well. Fantastic. Cheers, guys. See you later. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
Right, let's look ahead then to the match in the Champions League this week against Young Boys. It doesn't really matter in some senses because Manchester United are already through and they've already won the group as well. But Andy, considering Ralph Rangnick is still so new, this is a brilliant opportunity for him to take a look at some of the other players, isn't it? It totally is. And they've got the luxury of already being through. Top of the group, uh, the excitement which follows to see who Manchester United will get um, in, in the next round after that. I spoke to somebody from Bern before the, the Arsenal game, a journalist who covers their team, and he wasn't too confident and he was also pretty sad because while the team have been allowed to go to Manchester and exemptions been made for them, the 800 travelling fans have had to cancel their trip and stuff like that doesn't really get reported. Uh, uh, I think that's really sad. You support your team. You know, We could go to Bern, we could go and watch the game there. The journalists also, they're not allowed to come to, to cover uh, the match either. I think United should be vengeful, finish the group with wins are always going to help. I'm still a little bit sore after that result in September in Switzerland when United conceded that late goal with 10 men. But it is a great chance to give minutes uh, to players. Ole Gunnar tried it and there was a criticism of Ole Gunnar from some of the fringe players that they weren't getting enough minutes. Well then... When he played a lot of them against West Ham in the League Cup, they didn't really convince either. But then the players would say, well, we can't just turn it in in one, in, in one game. So it is an opportunity. And without the League Cup matches uh, and any potential um, draws against uh, lower clubs, it's a rare opportunity. Maybe in the FA Cup, Manchester United will draw a weaker team and some of the fringe players can, can get a chance. So... It's um it's a chance to play different players and people like Anthony Alanga, if the manager's seen something in him, because coaches certainly have, and, and he thinks that he's worthy of, of minutes, then you could have that Marcus Rashford effect. He would never have started his United career if it wouldn't have been for injuries. And sometimes these players, they just need a chance. So great. And Donny van der Beek, he came on against Palace. He's like a favourite of the Stratford end. And... If he gets a chance and plays really well, that may make the manager think, I really like him. You're good enough to start in my team. So a lot of positive can come from it. But my overwhelming feeling about it is I'm so glad United are through because a year ago, the team went to Leipzig and went out of the competition. And that that was a real underachievement for, for Oli Gunnar. And I would have said that if he'd failed to get out of this group this season... He would have probably lost his job, but he lost his job be, be, beforehand anyway. But that would have been the first real sort of tangible, this ain't good yeah. enough. So well done to Solskjaer's part in it. Well done to, to, to Michael Carrick for getting him out of this group. Yeah, Mason Greenwood should get a chance in terms of players who, who might come in uh, for this match against Young Boys. He started 11 of the first 13 games of the season, has only started one of the last eight since. He's had his problems with COVID recently, of course, as well. But Andy, Dean Henderson, I'd really like to see given an opportunity, not necessarily because David De Gea has been poor or doesn't get up when injured and opposition players are shooting at goal, but more the fact that it was sort of touch and go, wasn't it, at the start of the year as to who was going to be the Manchester United first choice. And speaking of COVID with Mason Greenwood, Dean Henderson obviously had extended problems with it and it sort of forced the manager's hand to choose De Gea. His performances since have been very, very good. Of course, he won the Player of the Month in November, which is maybe a statement on United's form considering goalkeepers are winning individual awards again. But he's been really good and Dean Henderson's been incredibly unlucky. So this is an opportunity for him to play, isn't it? 
It is, and it shows how quickly fortunes can swing in football. There's been plenty of times where United fans have been saying Dean Henderson should be the number one now. I think Chelsea offered £50 million for Dean Henderson when they were last looking for a goalkeeper. And he's barely figured for the reasons that, that you said. Yeah, Chelsea offered a lot of wow. money for, for Henderson. When was that? A lot of money for, for Henderson. At the time when Henderson uh, was pushing the here, I think it was before the start of, of, of last season. Okay. When they signed um, Edouard Mendy, around that sort of time. Yeah, when they were, when they were last looking for a goalkeeper. Right, okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and given his... What happened to him at the weekend? Maybe they'll be coming in with a sixty million pound <laughs> offer for, for, Dean, for Dean Henderson. Um, so yeah, someone like him, uh, it's a good chance for him because he's clearly a Premier League class goalkeeper, and he had a lot of decent games last year for Manchester United. And I'm sure he's very frustrated with how things have, have worked out for him this year. He won't want to hear this, but his improvement has been beneficial to David de Gea. It's really pushed de Gea yeah. on. And I was told that David De Gea needed that because he was resting on his laurels a little bit too much. There were other players, and Laurie rightly touched on Diogo Dalot. I think he's had a, a really good week. And if you could mix him and Aaron Wambasaka in a bag, you'd get like Roberto Carlos coming out or, <laughs> or, or Danny Alves or I won't say Gary Neville because they're totally different types <laughs> of players. But uh, Dalot did well, and there's been times where United have needed more competition at right back and Aaron Wambasaka's stock has dropped his performances have not been good enough he knows that that, that, that well, it's not fine but it happens to every footballer and the lot coming in and playing so well against someone uh, on Sunday like Wilfred Zahar who's a really tricky yeah, player absolutely. that's not an easy thing to, to do and I remember the Villarreal game at Old Trafford I keep talking about that game I don't know why where their man on the left absolutely... Dan Yeah, he absolutely yeah. shredded United down that side. So I'm pleased that, that he's coming on. And players deserve a chance who are not getting one. That's why football clubs have squads and hopefully we'll see some of them against um, Young Boys or YB. Or There's about six different ways of pronouncing this team. I still don't know what the, right, the, the correct one is. Young Boys Burn. Yeah, YBB. Why, baby? Um, yeah. Just quickly, Andy. Alex Tellers as well. We've sort of talked about Delo, but he's coming and quietly done really well, hasn't he? We've not missed Luke Shaw even a little bit. And I know his form has been a bit up and down, but he's been a key part of that United defence. And, and Tellers has replaced him no problem. Yeah, I think he's done well. And I don't think he's as good as a good Luke Shaw. No. But Luke Shaw has, uh, has not had a good season this year. He had a very good season last year. Uh, this is why Alex Tellez, Tellez was bought. Your wife's going to have a go to, at you about this again, isn't she? <laughs> to have a, to to provide this level of competition, you need at least two players in each position, and I like elements of his game. Uh, he, he he whips a brilliant crossing. I'll never forget in Paris last year in that win. Some of his crosses in the first half were were fantastic. So he's doing all right and. Ralph Rangit might think he's my man for there, and suddenly you're seeing even even more changes, and it's it's upsetting the the established order, which might not be a bad a bad thing. So you've had these two very settled positions at right back and left back for Manchester United, and suddenly both of them have changed. But he's doing well, and and good for him because 
it can't have been easy coming in as a, as a first team player from a very good club in in FC Porto and suddenly finding yourself a, a, as a reserve player. Have you noticed him kissing the ball every time he takes a set piece before he puts it down? Yeah, I'm not sure what the story is behind that. Yeah, um, I don't know. I just don't know. Like Fred, for example, he, he always um, is a very religious religious man, and and he always thanks God and talks about Jesus. With Alex, he just might like footballs. I'm not sure. He's. I'll try and get to the to, to the bottom of it. Yeah, we uh, should. We should try. One of us should try and find that out. Definitely. He's from the southernmost state in Brazil. Uh, I'm trying to work out whether his in his town that they make footballs or something like that. Yeah. So he's sort of <laughs> leather making his old man's work. Yeah, the leather make. Well, in in that part of Brazil, it. it, it a lot of shoes were made there until it was outsourced. I can't believe we're talking about shoe production in Brazil here, but trust <laughs> me, right? I will get to the bottom of this. My wife is from there, from that part of Brazil. She's going there in January, and I will say to her, don't come back with a present to me. Just find out why Alex Tillis kisses footballs before taking a free kick. Excellent, because Mrs. Mitten has also revealed exactly how we should be pronouncing his name, like we just referenced a minute ago. And yeah, it's Alex Tillis. And uh, last year... Um, United fan uh, came up to me, Ivan, at a game and I bumped into him in Heathrow Airport and he was going to Brazil and he was going to Alex Talisi's town. So I said, well, why don't you do something for United We Stand? So he did. He went there and he met all of his family, met all of his former coaches and they were all so proud of him, as you would be because he's a boy from a pretty small city who's, who's made it in Europe. And for all the young South American players, to make it in Europe is is the dream, to make it a big club. And he's not really fully made it at, at Manchester United, but he's playing. And one thing I noticed yesterday was five of the 10 outfield starters, their, their mother language is, is Portuguese. And it's a sort of nerdy stuff that means nothing. Some people say, so what? But I thought it was, I thought it was worth a tweet. More than English, wasn't it, the tweet? Yeah, it was more than English, yeah. And it just shows how our football has become completely global and that... But yeah, he's doing okay. But as I said near the start of the podcast, for my confidence in this team to rise to levels I would think reasonable, you've still got to be... There's got to be a good run of matches because the start of this season really was not not good enough. No, let's hope they pick up from here then. I didn't really expect any other business to cover leather production in Brazil, Andy, but we did it. That's talk of the devil sometimes, isn't it? We find these tangents. Great to have you on, Andy. Of course, as always, thank you to you. Thank you to Laurie as well, who, of course, popped off earlier. Thank you to you guys at home for listening as well. A reminder, some brilliant articles on The Athletic at the minute about Manchester United from Laurie and Andy and also the likes of Rafa Honigstein, who's been absolutely brilliant and must read on Ralph Rangnick since the news was broken of course that he was coming to Manchester United and also Danny Taylor's take on Cristiano Ronaldo pressing or otherwise don't forget to access those articles you need a subscription and you can still get a 33% discount off The Athletic by going to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod we're back on Thursday we'll talk about whatever happens against young boys and also of course preview Manchester United's matches coming up over the festive period. We'll speak to you then. Take care. Bye-bye. The Athletic.